Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Red is the human house I come back to at night, swimming inside the cave of skin that remembers bison. In that round nation of blood, we are all burning red, inseparable fires the living have crawled and climbed through in order to live, so nothing will be left for death at the end. This life in the fire, I love it. I want it, this life. Hello and welcome to Cop On Podcast, you plump and crispy nugget. My name's Owen and those opening lines were from a marvellous poem called The History of Red by Linda Hogan. Today I'm really delighted to bring you a double special wonder puff beauty of a show. First with Goodmunder Magnusson from the fantastic LFChistory.net, followed by a chat with Jean from our friends at the LFC Couch, a superb podcast that if you don't already know, you should know, and you should know it right now, or maybe after this episode. Without further ado then, let's do to this episode what any sane person would do to a jam donut and chow down. Enjoy! Thank you very much for joining me. It's um, I'm here with uh, Goodmunda Magnusson, um, and he's from LFChistory.net, the most amazing site, the most mammoth site with LFC facts and figures from everywhere, uh, all periods of history. Only yesterday, Goodmunder, I was I looked at the site and it said it's, on the front page you had an article about George Pither or Pither, who played sixteen league matches and scored six goals for Merthyr Town before joining Liverpool in the first part of the 1926-27 season. He played a dozen matches exclusively as a replacement left winger for the established Fred Hopkin in 26-27 and 27-28 seasons. Um, Goodmunder, your site is utterly incredible. You can learn so much about our beautiful club. Can you tell uh, the listeners a bit more in case they don't know about it? Tell it, tell it. Tell them generally what is LFChistory.net all about, please. It is all about the history of Liverpool. Uh, our main focus in the beginning was trying to map uh, the games and the players, trying to you know make everything come together, if, if we can call it, say it in that way. Because when we started looking at this uh, 20 odd years ago, we quickly found out that, you know, there were there are there are many books that record our uh, our seasons through the years and all that, but when it came down to it, they didn't didn't all add up. Uh, we found various mistakes, you know, printing mistakes and things that just happen in 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 a in a process like this. So we we wanted to do a website that would where we would you know kind of have the master copy of our history. Uh, where we will would kind of you know figure out what was right, what was wrong, 
who did what and when. And from there, we kind of built on, built on, on top of that. But you know, the main, the main goal was to get a complete overview of all our games, official ones and friendlies, and all the players trying to, you know, look deeper into the history of certain players and etc. So yeah, that's kind of, you know, what we're doing and, and, and we're always, you know, adding things on top of that, trying to use our data a lot more in a better ways. But mm-hmm. yeah, but but the whole thing kind of started, you know, between behind the website is, is me and uh, a good friend of mine, his name is Arnie. Uh, we used to work work together in the Icelandic Supporters Club uh, about 25 years ago. And during that time, uh, we started a website for the Icelandic Club. I think we were probably, you know, among the first supporter clubs to establish a, a website which still lives on to, today. And uh, so we did that for a few years and then we kind of figured out that we wanted to do something in, in English. So we looked at the market and thought, okay, everybody's doing the same stuff. Everybody's doing, you know, the classic forums, news, and etc. That was, you know, what was going on back in uh, 2000, 2001. So we thought to ourselves, okay, let's find kind of a, market where we can be a little bit alone in, where we are not chasing everybody else. And then we started looking at the history of the club and the books and everything, and we, and we kind of quickly found out what we wanted to do. But we under, underestimated one little thing, which is kind of a big thing, which is the size of the job. <laughs> and it, took us, it took us a year and a half just to build up uh, a database and a website with everything, all the data from 1958, about 58, 59. So we did that, went live with, with the website with, you know, the, about 50 years of, 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 of stats. And the first thing people said were, was, oh, that's nice. Why are you starting from there? Why didn't, why didn't you, you know, go all the way back until, you know, day one, 1892? And we were like, yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> where's the rest of it? <laughs> yeah, where's the rest of it? So it kind of, you know, with that in mind, you know, we, we quickly saw that we had no other choice than to just, you know, go the, go the whole way, you know back till 1892 and, and, and we got a bit, a little bit lucky with, uh, there was a guy who contacted us and he had a database that he had, you know, that was built in uh, Microsoft Access, if that rings any bells for anyone, uh, where he had, you know, added games and players and who played them and etc. And that was for the games for the missing period. So we managed to get a copy of that database from him, got that moved over to our database, but then we had to sort out all the, you know, 
there was a lot of things that didn't, in, didn't add up. And with that, we got a lot of help from uh, one of our friends, Eric Doik, who published a book of, about the history of the club uh, uh, about 20, yeah, 15 years ago. So, yeah, then we had kind of the, you know, the complete picture of the games and who played them, but there were still, there were still a lot of holes, and, and, and to this day we are, we're still adding things. We're still adding, you know, the odd referee name to a game and, and et cetera. But like I said, we, we, we seriously underestimated the size of the job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and how many people does it take to maintain? Is it still just you and Arnie? Uh, it's me and Arnie are still doing this, uh, still going strong after 20, 20 years. Uh, we have now one, one of our friends in Poland. His name is Mache. He's doing the social media for us. And then we have about five, six other uh, helpers. I can, you know, we have have a little bit, have a little group of, of friends who help us out with a lot of data. Sent us, you know, various images of math programs, newspaper images, uh, referee details, uh, and the the odd thing. And some of them update the player profiles for us, and, and etc. There's a there's a lot of you know things to update every year. And are they reds from uh, from around the world, or is it still uh, in the Icelandic community? Or no. So the thing is, this this is this has never been like you know. It's mainly just me and Arnie, you know, from my stuff who are doing this. The rest is people from the UK and, 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 other, and various other countries. Fantastic. And has the club ever been in touch? I imagine they have, uh, you know, to yes. just... Yes, uh, the club actually bought a copy of the database about 12 years ago. So, which they used uh, on their website for a, for, for a period. I don't know what happened to it, but uh, yes. But, you know, when they bought a copy of it, we always think, okay, well, that's our stamp of approval. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, absolutely fantastic stuff. You mentioned before about, you know, getting the, the data pre-1958, and it's a bit difficult. I mean, is that the most difficult part of it, sort of fact-checking who the referee was in, you know, the 1920-21 season on a cold, wet, rainy night in Stoke. Yes. That, that, you know, it's those little tidbits and, and, and even, you know, things like goal minutes. You know, we're still, you know, trying to find all the various goal minutes throughout the years. There's, there's quite a lot st still to be found. And, and, uh, and you know, we... We've searched a lot of newspapers. Uh, we found some of them. Some are still missing. Maybe we'll find some of them, you know, one day. But you know, the search goes on. Yeah, great. Yeah, great stuff. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I don't know. I I just I wish you all the best. I mean, it sounds like quite, it's quite a challenge. Absolutely. But it's but it's absolutely fabulous that it's there. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you could go on lfchistory.net. A lot of other podcasts do it, and you know, other other Liverpool. Um, you know, web-based 
organizations they they look at lfchistory.net for for facts and for figures and things like that but there's a lot more to the site isn't there there are articles interviews things like that are there any areas of the site that you think you know should be more popular with you know like people should really check out certain other areas of the site no not really uh you know our our, our, our thing is facts and figures that's you know what our main focus is and 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 what, what, you know, one of the proudest things uh, I've done probably in the website is, you know, is, is building the, uh, the player profiles pages because me and Arnie, we have got, have got a little bit of a, you know, we separate things a little bit between us uh, because my main profession today is, is, is a web developer. So, you know, all the programming work that, you know, has been done throughout the years has been done by me. So we're quite quite lucky in that way. So it's, I do all the tech stuff. I update a lot of things in the database. He takes care of the, you know, the text for the, you know, for the various things and lots of the, you know, facts and figures from, you know, searching newspapers and stuff like that. We kind of split things between us. So, yeah, like I said, you know, one of one of the best things there is is out of the player profiles and the. You know the appearances and the goals, and 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 now just recently we added the assists for uh, a lot of seasons, and we 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 are now looking at the. I think we've done about thirty odd years now of assists. Wow. Yeah, and and even even the you know the the scrapbook section of of the player profiles in, is in you know especially around the you know players like you know John Barnes, Beardsley, Ian Rush, and those guys. It's brilliant. It's so, so many things to look at, you know. Yeah, terrific. So, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, it's something you could sort of dive into and it's like a sort of a, you know, an underground cave. You could just keep exploring and finding new areas. It's absolutely fabulous stuff. But, um, they, um, you know, speaking of players like Barnes and Beardsley and things like that, I mean, they were they were around when I first started, you know, my, my journey of, of love uh, uh, for the for the fabulous relentless rocket reds um how did your journey start with liverpool fc goodmunder uh started when i was a kid uh, we're quite lucky here in iceland because uh english football has been on the, on, on the television for about since first year since about 1970 i think the first you know the first things you can probably find from 1966 but, you know, a lot of it comes from, you know, Liverpool playing in the first European game against the Icelandic KR Reykjavik. So, you know, one of the players from KR, he later got a job as a sports reporter at the, you know, the, the equivalent of BBC here in Iceland. And, you know, he had this passion for English football and, and, and got them to buy some content, buy some games, much of the day and those things. And, and, and they had, they were shown on the TV here. So, you know, early on, I started watching English football and, and I quickly found my team. The, I mean, I'm just really interested in, in, in the Icelandic Reds. I mean, what, how big is the community there of, of Reds fans? It, it is actually quite big. We've, we've got a supporters club here. Uh, it has about, 3,000 members, so, and, you know, quite a few of them, you know, meet at a, a pub 
for every 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 game and watch it together. Uh, we have an annual uh, festival dinner uh, where we invite a former Liverpool player to Iceland and and and, and hear some of his, of, his, of his stories and jokes. So yeah, throughout the years we've had here you know guys like uh, Sami Ipia, John Barnes, Ian Rush, uh, Ron Yates. Sammy Lee, uh, who else? We had Bergen Smeeser recently. We've had, yeah, Robbie Fowler, Jamie Carragher, all these guys. Fabulous. Yeah. And the and because I was, I used to be on the board of the club and used to be, you know, I'm a, I'm a former chairman of the club. I somehow ended up spending quite a few weekends with some of these players. Both, you know, Friday till Monday. So uh, <laughs> it was lively <laughs> during, during those days. <laughs> I mean, who, 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 who doesn't, you know, you know, can tell stories where you ended up with Robbie Fowler, Fowler on a Friday night in downtown Reykjavik. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's always fun. And, and, and throughout these opportunities, we've also managed to get, you know, these exclusive interviews with, all those players which are on our website so you know it all helps totally i mean that was uh, that's one thing that i was i was going to mention as well you've got some brilliant interviews there uh, on the site so uh, everyone should check those out as well absolutely um and you know in, if you are to put this this current like super exciting liverpool team in a historical context i mean it's easy to get carried away with you know great huge statements um about this current team for me they 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 can't really be compared um to the teams on the 70s and 80s as our best team ever until they've done things like you know won four european cups in eight years or however long it was <laughs> um you know so so i i wouldn't put them quite in that bracket yet but um i don't know how you feel about it in you know Historically, where does this Liverpool team fit in for you? I actually rank them up, you know, among some of the best ones, because you know what we've been doing for now. What shall we say? I mean, we haven't lost a home game in the league for what almost four years now. We haven't. We've rarely lost a game for you know what now. This is the third season, and where we we hardly lost a game. This one, we've won the first three. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the stability and everything is, is for everyone to see. I mean, we, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing group of players. And, and uh, so, yeah, I, it's, I, I, I rank them highly among the top, among the best ones. Well, okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, for me, I just think they just need a few more trophies in the bag. I think they'll get. I think they'll get some, and uh, you know the Champions League and the Premier League is a pretty good way to start getting your trophies. Uh, it's unbelievable, but I just think maybe you know by yeah, but get, well, I mean get, getting the you know getting into the Champions League final two years in a row is is no mean feat. Yeah, extraordinary, extraordinary, and yeah, as you say, we we've hardly lost any matches. Andrew Beasley, excellent. Uh, uh, LFC, uh, um, uh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, he's brilliant, isn't he? I mean, did you see his tweets the other day? He said uh, that Liverpool have lost 
uh, uh, 10 Premier League matches out of the last 129 compared to Manchester City who have, won, who have lost 10 of the last 36. So it's absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, okay. Uh, did you watch the Arsenal game last night? I mean, what did you make yeah, of it? It was, it was superb, super, wasn't it? Fantastic. I mean, the, the high pressure that we you know had going on Pressing Arsenal every time they wanted to play out the ball was just—it was so amazing to see how the, you know when 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 you start looking at the runs and how they position themselves. It's just—it's unbelievable to see. And and I mean we we played some fantastic football in there as well. I mean yeah, it's a brilliant game. Um, and you know, t- tell me about Sadio Mane. Talk to me about his performance. For me, he looked like uh, the the you know best player in the universe. Forget Europe, forget your Ballon d'Ors. Uh, you know, Sadio Mane's intergalactic. Yeah, but I I was so stressed out about him for the first ten minutes yesterday. After you know he he after I think it was after a minute that he ran into Bellerin, I think, and then like a. Couple of minutes later, no, minute later, he ran into some other Arsenal guy and got the yellow card. And I was thinking, okay, he's too wired up. <laughs> yes, he's gonna get a red card soon if he doesn't calm down. But he managed to he managed to keep it, you know, kind of kind of on the low for the rest of the game. I think he knew that you know he didn't have that many chances left if he <laughs> went and did something. But he is a fantastic player, and I mean. And we, and we only saw it, like, you know, as well as, you know, the other day against Chelsea when he pressured uh, Kepa to make the mistake when he was uh, kicking out the ball. Super, yeah, exactly. You could see it, his shoulders, he sort of, he didn't, there's like this tiny little slump in his shoulders and then he thought, right, I'm going to get after the ball. I'm not going to just sulk and, you know, be miserable that I made a bad pass. He, and he was, yeah, he's like lightning. I don't know, yeah, I mean, I... I spoke to some people from uh, Paris Saint-Germain when uh, they played against Liverpool a couple of years back in the Champions League. And um, they said that Sadio Mane was, you know, the most difficult opponent they had in the Liverpool team um, because he's just dangerous, non-stop danger <laughs> throughout the match. He's so strong and and he makes these runs and just he's, he's amazing. Did you see the video? from the Chelsea game when Henderson was making the pass before uh, Chris, Thomas Christensen was dragging him, dragging Mane down. Yes, the, from behind the goal. So you could see Hen- Henderson's vision of the pitch, that, that angle. Yes, yes, it was a lovely video, yeah. And when he was shouting to Mane to make the runs into the middle, mm-hmm. it was yeah. so, you know, so thought of, you know, thought out, you know, it's just, yeah, there, there are so many things that I, that, that, I, that I just admire about what these guys are doing at the moment. It's just, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, me too. I can't remember. I mean, well, I sort of remember in the 80s, but I was just a kid, um, you know, when you just sort of expect Liverpool to win every week. Um, and I haven't had that feeling until now where, you know, OK, we've got Aston Villa next in the league. I think we'll probably win. I mean, the years have taught me to be you know, never count your chickens. And, you know, I've, I've we've all been through a lot of uh, disappointment and anxiety and things. But uh, I, now I feel absolutely confident in our team, which is, a, you know, it's a testament, like you say, it's all kinds of 
areas of the pitch that there's just so much to love about this team. But I think it all comes from Jurgen Klopp, doesn't it? I mean, the way that we've got marvellous individuals, but as a team, as you say, Henderson directing as the captain, we work together beautifully. Um, and so I want to just talk about Jurgen Klopp and where you would rank him in terms of uh, Liverpool's managers throughout history. Among the best ones. He is, yeah, he's probably, you know, he is one of, one of the best managers we've had for, uh, I would say, you know, I, I rank him higher than Rafa Benitez. He's just, he, he's better. Uh, even though Rafa, Rafa was great, you know, working with what he, what he had at the time. But, I mean, for the last 30, 30-odd years, Klopp is the absolutely best one. And and we have to rank him, you know, among Paisley and the others. Uh, I've got no doubt in my mind about that. But would you put him on the same line as Paisley or not yet? Not yet, but he is very close. I mean, he's, he is, uh, he was quicker to reach, what was the latest numbers I saw the other day about, uh, there was something that our friend Gedrea, who's the club statistician, t- tweeted the other day, and that fewest games required to reach 400 league points as LFC manager, Jurgen Klopp is at the top of the list with 184 games, Kenny Douglas 197, Bob Paisley 206 games. And then we have uh, Rafa Benitez with 209 and, and Belshakli with... 229 so I mean he it has taken him the fewest games to reach 400 league points which is amazing feat that is an amazing feat especially considering his uh, you know the team he inherited and, and where we were when he took over in terms of you know feeling sorry for ourselves you know a shadow of the great club we once were and all that and he's just you know he's 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 an absolute juggernaut of a manager, isn't he? He's brilliant. Um, so, you know, how many trophies? I'm not going to say, are we going to win a trophy this season? I'm going to ask, you know, how optimistic are you feeling? How many of these trophies are we going to win? At least one. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go any further than that. But I, I mean, <laughs> we are, we are, we are going to try to, you know... We are, we are not going to defend uh, the you know the league champ- being league champions. We're going to attack it again and get it again. We're going to and do that this season. Uh, like I think Klopp said it that way. But we're going to attack it and go for it. Uh, because if you start defending something, you kind of you know you're defensive about it. But we're going to just go all out as we usually do. And but then it comes to you know. Klopp has never been really focused on the FA Cup and the League Cup. You know, the, you know, he sees them as, as kind of, you know, secondary, you know, not the main focus. It's his bread and butter is the League and the Champions League. So I think, you know, those two are the ones we, we, we will really go for. We will continue to use the, you know, the kids and the fringe players as, as much as possible for the cu- for the cup games. So you know, it's going to be you know somewhere between one and two. 
I like it. It's a very diplomatic answer. Um, you, you, you stopped short of saying we're going to, you know, get the the quadruple. Um, but uh, but I, I think it's on. I'm going to say it. I mean, here we are in September and I'm just going to, you know, tempt all of the fates or whatever you can believe in. You know, sorry to, to trigger any superstitions that people have, but I, I reckon it's on. I reckon we can do it. Of course, we would need luck. But we've certainly got the skill and we've got the squad depth, haven't we? And getting Thiago into that midfield is just, it is so, it is so smart. Unbelievable, isn't it? That's where I was, that was my next questions were about transfers. Yeah, what do you make of it this season, bringing in Thiago, Costas and Diogo Jota? Unbelievably smart. Uh, I think, you know, you know, how we did this, you know, the, how we structured the deals, financially and everything is is very smart you know being able to you know spread the payments a little bit over the years of the contract uh, but you know getting Tiago at this stage in his career I mean he's he's won what seven league titles in a row with Bayern Munich I mean that is that is something he, you know he's got so much experience and, and just seeing him on the pits like we did uh, against Chelsea was amazing so I, I think he's gonna he's gonna you know make some of the guys who are, you know Genie Keita and and the other guys they they're gonna have to step up their game a little bit. He puts he puts pressure on on them. So uh, that's brilliant. And 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 Diego Jota, I mean he fits into this ad like I don't know what. He's he's like Pep Linder said. He's a, he's a pressure machine he's gonna be you know he's doing the same stuff as man and the other guys are doing so he's he's perfect for us but it will take some time to get him you know fully into our system like you know Klopp said yesterday that he only had like 20 percent of the information available at the moment so so yeah it's, I, I think i think we've been very smart but i i think it won't surprise me if one or two players leave before you know before the end of the month yeah, I think some of them have to really. I mean, we, we well, we, I worked out. I don't know if it, I don't know if I did it correctly, but I worked out that if we stay in the cup competitions, the next time, um, because you know most of our players are internationals, the next time they'll have six days between matches will be February. So there are bound to be injuries along the way. So I'd like to keep as many of our squad players as possible. You know to. I was. I think we will get injuries, and we've already got some injuries. And uh, you know, just to keep the quality that we've got throughout the squad. I mean, I thought Shakiri did well uh, last uh, last in the last game in the League Cup. Um, yeah, in, in in a little bit of a new role as well. He hasn't always been playing in the midfield. You know, on the right where he was playing. He's often. You know, he's he's usually been a little bit further up front. So yeah, he, he did really well, you know, under in in a new in a kind of a new role for him. Yeah, it was new, wasn't it? Yeah, passing the ball a lot, getting the ball, passing it. Yeah, much more of a a playmaker than we've seen him seen him before. Yeah, he was it was very exciting. Um, but in terms of in terms of transfers, like in our history, um, you know, the the price has always gone up, and uh, it might be a bit of a difficult question because um, um, you know, you're you're not a, a finance expert, just like I'm not. But, um, you know, do you think that with COVID that there will be some kind of 
crash in the market? Can you foresee, like, you know, do you think anyone will ever get to 220 million for Neymar again, for example? Got no idea. Uh, uh, a lot of this club, a lot of the big clubs I know at the moment are, are, are pretty... They don't have a lot of money at the moment, like like we see, for example, with you know Barcelona and, and some of the other clubs. They they really cannot afford anything like a two hundred mil, million deal like Neymar. So I, I think it's going to be a little while until we see that big of a thing go through. Mm. So I, because I think it will take take the clubs, you know, some of them some months, maybe years, to get back to you know the financial situation they were in before you know COVID came into this so yeah it's it will take some time and I think we will see you know there, there will be some clubs who, who might even not sur- survive this so yeah yeah it's, it's it's really sad to see some 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 lower league teams already folding um so yeah we've got to keep our fingers crossed that uh you know everything that fans are allowed back in super sooner rather than later and everything calms down a bit but um but yeah well but listen i i want to thank you uh, very much goodman uh for joining me it's been really really nice talking to you but i'd let you know let's leave it on a bit more of a a positive note i mean what are your expectations for you know the champions league you know can can anyone really stop us where would you put us in terms of you know european competition um I think the big question is, uh, especially around Bayern Munich, how are they going to be after losing Thiago? Is, will that affect them a lot? We, I, they even lost last weekend. So, but you know, Bayern Munich is a machine. Uh, so, I, I mean, we are, you know, without a doubt, one of, one of the best teams in Europe at the moment. So. Whether anyone can stop us, I think you know Bayern Munich for me is probably the only, the only realistic option. I like it. I like it. I love that optimistic uh, note. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even see that. I've just just have had a look. Yeah, they lost four one to Hoffenheim. Wow. Okay. Uh, so yeah, maybe not even the great Bayern can can stop us now. We've snared Thiago away. So uh, yeah. It's, um... Yeah, but but, but, but it kind of depends on if uh, Thomas Müller is playing or not. Because when we played by Munich, what was it, two years ago, mm-hmm. when when we beat them, you know, both away and home, if, if I remember correctly, Thomas Müller was on the bench because the coach kind of didn't, didn't believe in him being the guy who kind of sorted everything out on the pitch and dictated everything. So. We got lucky there because when the new coach came in, he, for, you know, the first thing he saw that Thomas Müller, he was the club, and put it back on the pitch, and they have hardly lost since. So it's, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. He's a fantastic player. He's someone that I've uh, I've dreamed in the last few years of seeing in a red shirt one day as well, uh, in our red, as opposed to. And, 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 and if you end up, you know, watching a, a Bayern Munich game, just you know, just watch him, how he, you know points out things you know where the ball should go and everything he is dictating everything on the pitch yeah he's brilliant he's brilliant um yeah wonderful stuff so we'll, we'll have to keep our eye on 
on Bayern Munich throughout the season. And uh, of course, we're going to see what new heights this this team could possibly reach uh, for, for our, our um, beloved Reds. Uh, so, but thank you so much, Goodmunder, uh, from lfchistory.net. It's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. And uh, yeah, all the best. Yeah, thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm absolutely thrilled and joyed and um, 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 uh, trembling with happiness to be joined by Jean from the LFC Couch. Jean, how are you today? It's your birthday. Happy birthday. Why, thank you very much. I'm very well, thank you. Very well. And yeah, obviously after last night's result, even if it's, yeah, couldn't have asked for a better birthday present after that performance last night. It's terrific. It, I tell you what, we'll, we'll get on to talking about last night soon um, because we, there's a lot to discuss how how brilliant we are at the moment. Uh, but uh, I want to start uh, talking about the LFC couch because I've noticed a few changes going on there. What's what's happening with the LFC couch these days? Oh, wow. So as you're probably already aware, the LFC couch, you know, it's primarily, um, you know, a lot of the guys um, who, who are contributing to the LFC couch are based uh, mostly in Australia, but obviously... We've got a UK kind of um, uh, presence as well. Uh, and recently, yeah, I, I was given the opportunity of, of joining the couch team. I'd, I'd done a couple of podcasts previously with some of the other UK-based um, uh, guys, uh, Rich and Matt, um, who uh, usually uh, do the LFC review on a weekly basis. Um, I think just at the moment, you know, uh, obviously with COVID times and other, other elements, we've kind of been distracted, all three of us, if you like. So recently, I've kind of like said, right, I need to really make a concerted effort now to get back on this, especially after such a great end to last season and obviously a great start to this season as well. There's so much to talk about from an LFC perspective. So, you know, we're really starting to push that that UK, the UK branch of LFC couch now going forward. Yeah, it's fantastic. Just in case any listeners don't know it, then do check it out. It's available on all the the best podcast uh, platforms, you know, and it's super listening. Yeah, it's quite, you know, I, we, I, I've already spoken to Nish, uh, who set it up, I believe, um, a few years ago. And uh, yeah, it's similar ethos to as, as Cop On in terms of just, you know, connecting Reds all around the world to talk about um, to talk about everything to do with Liverpool. So, I mean, it's a really, really good show. Um, so what are, you know, what are the plans then? Just uh, some more some more shows coming out of the UK as well as Australia? Indeed, exactly that. Yes, yeah, so obviously they've got quite a few established shows already, uh, you know, that are running uh, on weekly, weekly, uh, um, on a weekly basis. You know, obviously a lot of preview shows for, you know, upcoming matches and review shows. We've got the statistician show as well that usually comes on a few days before, you know, the next big game. Uh, you know, so there's so much content coming out of the LFC couch now as well as, as well as the contributors website. So I'm a writer by trade. Um, I currently write for the Morningstar newspaper as well. So they've also got a, an online uh, contributor page as well on the LFC Couch pod where I can also contribute written written articles as well. So I, I, pre- I recently just done one uh, just prior to the Arsenal, uh, sorry, the Liverpool Arsenal game as well on Monday. Um, so yeah, there's so much, so much going on, so much content coming out um, over the next few few days and weeks. I mean, this is obviously a busy week with, um, with us playing Arsenal twice. So we've had a preview show before, the Arsenal game yesterday, a, re- a review show today has just been released. And then we've got another preview show coming up on Wednesday, which is when I should make my official debut 
uh, for the LFC Couch team. That's absolutely terrific. I should be, I should be tuning into that one as I, as I always do. Absolutely, absolutely terrific. Uh, so, talk, tell us about tell us about Eugene and uh, you know your your love for LFC and, and you know how you started writing about it. Excellent. Yeah. No. So okay. So I started writing many, many, many moons ago back in Birmingham. I'm Birmingham born and bred. I used to write for a local newspaper there, but I used to kind of get involved in the entertainment section. Um, of, of that art, of that publication, and whilst I'm yeah, I'm into my music, I'm into my arts, and so on and so forth. But my first love has always been football, and obviously Liverpool specifically. So I really thought, okay, you know what? Maybe it's about time I, I turn my hand to, to kind of sports journalism. And um, and obviously, if I could, obviously my dream would be to you know kind of follow the James Pierce route, if you like, in terms of being able to be you know, a dedicated Liverpool correspondent. But currently, um, yeah, work for the Morning Star. You know, I was um, given the opportunity by um, uh, a kind of like a family, not even a family friend, actually an old school work colleague um, whose son actually edits a, the editor for the Morning Star. And I submitted a few, a few articles to him and he was really impressed with what I'd done. It's funnily enough, actually, one of the articles I sent to him was when we beat Arsenal 3-1 uh, probably about two seasons ago, a season and a half ago, something like that. At Anfield, so um, he was really impressed with what I'd kind of produced and, and gave me the opportunity of getting involved with the Morning Star. So I've been right, I've been with them now since October 19, um, uh, writing for them, primarily covering Crystal Palace home matches, but any Liverpool away matches, I usually put my hat in the ring because I don't think the Liverpool correspondent uh, travels, so I usually put my hat in the ring for any, yeah, for any away matches for Liverpool. So hopefully I'll be covering the Villa Liverpool match this weekend actually at Villa Park. So I'm looking forward to that, obviously. Yeah, great. That's very exciting. Very exciting stuff. Very good. Jurgen Klopp, um, I want to talk about him for a little bit because, um, you know, he's he's the glue that binds us together. He's the he's the string around the bouquet of roses. Um, um, he really is brilliant, isn't it? And we've got we've got four more years um, of of him. I mean, it, it was his. It was his fiftieth uh, game against a top six side yesterday, uh, and only eight losses. Uh, that stat came from LFC TV Go in their pre-match. Um, so basically, forty-two matches where he hasn't lost against a, a, a rival team. Um, uh, I mean, you're a writer. You can, you can, you can write about Jurgen Klopp. You can. I don't know, so I'll just, I'll just let you go wherever you want with it. You know, if I just say Jürgen Klopp. <laughs> I tell you what, just the name alone, it just kind of, it just infuses feelings and emotions that I didn't think I'd have about a manager of Liverpool <laughs> uh, ever again after Kenny Dalglish, you know. Yes. My, my history, uh, in terms of I started supporting Liverpool probably around 85, uh, when I just turned nine, uh, giving away my age here, aren't I? Yeah, I'd probably just turned about nine years of age. Um, and, and obviously Kenny Dalglish was the man, so I was absolutely heartbroken when he, eventually kind of obviously took his leave from the club and I've never had another manager possibly until Benitez to a degree that I had that real connection with Jurgen Klopp I mean look he's just the guy you want to go down the pub and have a drink with and talk football all day you know you want to tell him about your family problems you want to tell him about your your work issues and he just feels like he'll always say the right things to kind of g you up and, and you know and give you a bit of a bit of a lift me up you know what I mean in, in your worst times and I think that quality that he has he uses that in order to to nurture his teams and his players you know there's no mistake it's not a coincidence that these players run themselves into the ground for Jurgen Klopp I mean we talk about the high press 
that he's brought into obviously the Liverpool game. But you have to have willing runners to actually achieve it. You can't just go on the training ground one day and say, right, lads, today we're gonna we're gonna do high press. You've got to have players that are willing to put that in for you. And I think something that I mentioned on a previous podcast recently is the fact that, you know, these players have realized the benefits that they actually gain from that high press. How many goals, how many how many goals going opportunities do we get? from dispossessing the, the opposition in the in their own, you know, first third. You know, they can't even get out of the 18-yard box before we're nicking the ball and we're creating opportunities. So the players have seen that there are real benefits to, to deploying, you know, Klopp's, Klopp's, you know, ethos and his strategy. And they live it now. They live it. And luckily for us, we've got one of the best, you know, pressing the game in, in, in Sadio Mane. You know, sometimes he looks like he's disinterested and all of a sudden at the last second, he just he just, he just just speeds up and nicks the ball off the, the player. They probably didn't even realise that he was really concentrating on them. So, um, so yeah, in terms of what Klopp's done at the club, it's just, it, it's, it's, you can't really, there's no words to describe it. There's no words. As you mentioned, I'm a writer, but to be honest with you, I can't find words to describe that verbally right now. Um, but ultimately, it's going to be such a difficult task replacing that guy. I'm glad we've got him for another four years, but even now, I dread the day that he leaves the club because it's going to be a really, really difficult uh, act to follow. Yeah, we just got to live in the present. I mean, these these are these are thoughts I have to I have to 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 blank out really. You know, blank out the the <laughs> that horrible day when he does actually leave and just just enjoy because these these are you know times that we. We couldn't even dream about, really. I mean, going back 10 years ago, you know, I was thinking about it before, you know, 2013, United got their 20th title. And, it, oh, it's just like, I thought back then, I I question, you know, are we ever going to get back um, to those, you know, to those heights, you know, and now we're, we're just way beyond it. We're stratospheric and... Yeah, it comes from Klopp, the way that he drills the team. But then uh, you mentioned Sadio Mane then. Um, he's like... I, uh, his performance yesterday was ridiculous, wasn't it? It was... Yeah, I mean, you know, he looks like the world player of the year. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing now, you know, a lot of the time when we can envisage who the world player of the year is, we think about silky skills, you know... Top corner bangers, you know, and uh, you know, great scoring and assist stats. But there's so much that Mane does that makes him the great player he is today that isn't actually quantified. You know, it's not that's not the thing most people look for. But if you look at his performance last night, the amount of times he dispossessed holding or even Bellerin uh, at right back for Arsenal, the amount of times his just pure fight wrestled the ball from his opponent. You know, even before he starts getting into the silky skills and, you know, what we know he's more than capable of in scoring goals. But it's the graft that he puts in to earn the right to, 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 to play, you know. And, and there's few players in his position in world football that has that hunger, that has that fight in them. A lot of, you know, a lot of forward-thinking players, you know, and I don't want to generalise too much, but a lot of forward-thinking players, they're happy with the ball at their feet. Mane's just as happy with an opponent in front of him with the ball and he's just as hungry to get that ball off that opponent as he is to, to, to take the ball and put it in the top corner of the net. You know, it's, it's just a, a great character trait in him that makes him the player that he is today. And a lot of that you can't teach. You can't teach that. That's got to come from inside. And luckily, you know, with the humble character that he is, 
he realizes and he understands that if he puts the work in, the team benefit and he benefits as well. And um, yeah, listen, long, long live Mane, man. Yeah, this guy. And I think going back to what you mentioned in regards to Man United winning their 20th title back in 2013. And yeah, I had the same thoughts as you. I said, will I actually ever see Liverpool win a title again in the next 20, 30 years? Because it just didn't, it looks so far away. But I'd, I'd point you to some of the transfer windows that we had. You know, Torres leaving at the point where we were about to get Suarez in. If Torres didn't leave at that point, and let's say, you know, the injuries didn't curtail his career, that would have been an amazing front line between Suarez and Torres. It could have actually totally terrorised the Premiership for years to come. Suarez coming in just after we got Coutinho again. You know, Suarez left not long after Coutinho came. So therefore, we were almost we almost took a two steps forward and then a step back because we always had players who really we wanted to add to that kind of like that nucleus of talent we had at the club. But then we'd be losing one of our best performers when we're adding, you know, another top performer. I think under Klopp, this is the first time where we've retained all of our best players for the, for the period that he's been here. He started the rebuilding process with Marnie. Then obviously he added the likes of Salah. He added the likes of, you know, Keita, you know, Fabinho. But all through this period, we haven't lost any of our main performers so now look at the squad that he's built. We've almost got two teams, two teams who could actually independently challenge in the Premier League, you know, for a top six position, you know, with, with, the, with, the, with the, the, the strength in depth that we have. And I think that's the secret to his, success, to his success, making sure he's retained the top players and then adding to the talent that we already have with talent that will come in and make a difference now, not in four or five years time. Yeah, it's a great point. Exactly. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot, really. I mean, um, you know, what does it take to win to win a league? I mean, you need three things, three elements for me. You need you need obviously the quality, um, and you also you need the effort is the second thing, and the third thing is the togetherness. And I don't see any other team that that has those th- a combination of those three. Uh, and it is what it comes from Klopp. It must do because he's the one who builds the team spirit. But you can see it right through the team. Shaq came in last week, uh, you know, in the League Cup, and he was brilliant. Um, you know, running around and pressing, and you know, as Klopp said after that match, he was he was happy because you could tell it was us. You know, it's got our identity of this uh, you know nightmare team to play against, and this absolute dream to watch for us fans um so yesterday i mean <laughs> uh, uh it was diogo jota came on um and i i make notes during the game for you know various reasons for cop on and for other things i do in a blood red podcast my post game um because i've got a, te- a shit memory i have to just say that's why i take notes and uh, <laughs> but i but I, but I, but I, I watched you know like like i'm sure you did watch jota very closely after he came on and he had um four attempts at goal four decent attempts at goal in in 7 minutes after he came on and it's like ah I mean, his future looks amazing as well, doesn't it? Really does, really does. And I think, you know, that's the beauty, the fact that we could take off Mane, bring on another player who has just as big a goal threat as Mane brings to the team. And yeah, I think, you know, by memory, I didn't make notes on last night's match, but by memory, I remember the three clear opportunities he had. The one where Salah found it with an amazing ball across the box say when he kind of came in on his left and and found Jota at the back post with a slide root ball and he he kind of uh, he kind of scuffed into the side netting didn't he with his left foot that was the first one then obviously there was the opportunity where Salah kind of nicked it off his toes but the third opportunity that I remember anyway where he actually took his opportunity and scored I mean that chance was not a was not an easy chance 
to bring the ball down uh, instantly on the edge of the box and to get that shot away, you know, under pressure was was just it showed the quality that he has. And in his first home game, his first Premier League debut as well at Anfield. I mean, that was a, that was an amazing moment for him. And I think, yeah, definitely. I mean, I saw some comments about, oh, it's strange that he's getting an opportunity before before Taki, before Minamino. But obviously, bringing Mane off, you wanted to try and keep the shape as much as possible as it was for the previous, you know, 70-odd minutes. And he came on, he kept that shape. He was able to, to, to keep Bellerin occupied on the left when he came on. It wasn't just the opportunities for me. It was also the fact that he got, he got stuck in. There's a couple of times I think he robbed uh, Caballos of the ball, I think, you know, about five minutes after he came on in the middle of the park. He robbed him of the ball and then he drove forward and took us forward, you know, 10, 15 yards and then laid it off. That's the kind of that's the kind of desire that this team is built on now. And he's like, he's come in and he totally understands what's required of him. And he's he's just sliding yeah, straight away so well. Yeah, it's going to be great to watch him. It's going to be great to watch him. In one of the millions of podcasts I listened to, there was a Wolves fan talking about how, I think it was on the Anfield Wrap, I'm not sure, talking about how he could compare Jota, although not as good, but a similar style to Suarez. And I could really see that in terms of his strength uh, on the ball. Like, he's not the quickest, but he sort of just barges through people with the way that he plays, and it's going to be... More joy, yet more joy. And speaking of joy, um, Thiago Alcantara, we haven't even mentioned him. Um, you know, he's gonna. you're going to talk a lot about him on the LFC couch as the season progresses, aren't you? For sure, without a doubt. And again, you know, it's a bit of a dream hearing that name being, um, you know, associated with our, with our great club. And, you know, I think from I saw him in his early 20s at Barcelona, I looked at the guy in the middle of the park and I thought, God, what a dream that would be to have this guy playing for Liverpool FC as well. And, you know, and we've got him now. And he just brings such a, a great dimension, extra dimension to our midfield three. A midfield three, remember, that are, that are still all Premier League champions. So it's not like we needed necessarily to improve that area. We're very well stocked in that area. But within that nucleus of midfielders that we have, we don't have anybody like Thiago. And he is going to bring such a, such a great dimension to us. I think last night, luckily, we didn't really need him. I thought that that would have been a perfect game for him because I, I envisaged that Arsenal would come and sit back for the large majority of the game. And I really thought that his creativity from deep would have really kind of benefited us in a game like that. Luckily, we didn't need him. But there will be games for sure where teams come and park the bus. And his creativity from a deep line position will prove the difference in terms of three points or, or a point. Yeah, totally. I mean, when he came on against Chelsea... You could see his effect on, on on the other players around him as well. I mean, you know, the 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 way that everybody sort of upped their game. And I think that might have played into a little bit about the, the, the dominance of the performance yesterday was the fact that, you know, everybody knows Thiago's watching. You know, it's like we're gonna we're gonna show what we can do again and it's sort of like his even when he's not playing, he, he's sort of you know bringing the standard up with his with his with his genius. I mean, um uh, I'm, I've just asked this same question. I've just done a, a, an interview with LFCHistory.net's uh, Goodmunder, which is absolutely terrific. And uh, I asked him the question, not um, not if we are going to win a trophy, but how many are we going to win? What are we going to win this year, Gene? <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see us retain the Premier League title first and foremost, for sure. I would like to see a domestic cup uh, in there, whether it be the F- I'd obviously prefer the FA Cup to the Carabao Cup. I'd like to see us, you know, go on a really good domestic cup run this season and, and hopefully, you know, uh, bring a cup home. Champions League, you know, I, I, I try to be realistic with my expectations. I know we've got a great team and currently 
we are probably the you know the great the, the best team in the world at the moment, the best squad of players, and on the pitch also the best team in the world. And um, it would be nice for us to back that up with another Champions League, of course. But I'm trying not to be too greedy. So I would say league title, domestic trophy, and uh, you know cherry on the cake would be um, yeah it would be another Champions League victory for me. Just the treble. I was going for the quadruple, Gene. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, uh, just one thing. I mean, you know, everyone's got to moan about something. Well, you don't have to. But, um, you know, looking at looking at our team, we've played four competitive fixtures. 4-3 against Leeds, 2-0 against Chelsea, 7-2 against Lincoln, and 3-1 against Arsenal. So that's, we've scored 16 goals in four matches, which is nuts. But, of course, we've also conceded six in four matches are you at all worried about our defense um i won't say worried as yet i'll say you know the the kind of you know the goals we've conceded today are, are is surprising just because of how dominant we were you know as a back four last season and uh, the leeds game i think the the absence of fabinho meant that you know even though the defense probably took a lot of the um the, a lot of the criticism i just feel that we didn't have that defensive shield uh, at the base of our midfield that we usually have with Fabinho, to be honest with you. Um, so I think that kind of probably contributes to that high-scoring game against Leeds in the opening game of the season. Um, obviously, the the Lincoln game, it was a makeshift back four. We looked solid when Van Dijk was on with um, the debutant, uh, debutant Williams and um, and obviously Nico and, um, and uh, Timakas uh, on the left-hand side. We looked good when Van Dijk was in there, but as soon as Virgil went off, then you could tell probably the inexperience of those guys with no real leader in that back four. Obviously, Fabinho, with all of his experience, you know, it's not his natural position. So, obviously, there was a bit of a, uh, you know, disjointed performance, if you like, in that second half against Lincoln. Um, I'm not concerned as yet. I'm always a great advocate to say, the first four or five games of the season, just get the results. The performances will then come. Because they're still finding their feet. I'm always really worried at the, at the first game of the season. I never know what team it is that's going to take to the pitch on that very first game. I think what we've seen is is that we'll always find a solution in terms of you know over overawing teams or overrunning teams, even when you know they look a bit stubborn in the in the initial in the initial outset. But eventually, we always find the solution, which is a great trait to have. And um, you know, when when looking at obviously going for another title, so the defense didn't concern me as yet. I think Gomez had a solid game yesterday. I would have preferred before the game to keep Fabinho in the, uh, that right centre-back position. But Gomez came in and he just looked so imperious alongside Van Dijk. Obviously, the goal we let in yesterday, it was a freak accident. You could, you could send the same ball into that box 50 times and Robertson doesn't make that mistake again the way he did yesterday. So it's just a bit of a freak. So I'm not too concerned at the moment, no. Not too concerned about the defence just yet. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, you know, Nigel Spackman yesterday on LFC TV, he said that, uh, you know, uh, Gomez and Van Dyke partnership was, you know, that it was their worst performance uh, together against Leeds. And they, I, I've, I've seen a lot of other people sort of, you know, have not have a go, but criticise our defence. But I think a bit too much. They only had three shots on target and they scored three goals. I mean, there were three fantastic shots. You can't, I can't, I wouldn't even blame Alisson. And, uh, you know, Alisson Becker last night as well, just, you know, to finish talking about last night. But what a performance. What a guy. I, mean, I can't believe Carragher compared him to Mignolet. He's off his rocker. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, was, Jamie must have been on the shandies. Um, he must still be celebrating from last season. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, no, for me, I mean, Alisson, he's just a, he's a solid keeper. And I think what happened yesterday, you saw in the first one-on-one he had with Lacazette, it was almost like a, a bit of a, you know, who's going to blink first? And, uh, you know, uh, Alisson came out on top. 
in that duel. And I think that played on Lacazette's mind the next time he went through one-on-one on goal as well. Because for me, that wasn't a Lacazette finish. Lacazette's usually a fairly calm customer when it comes to, you know, little one-on-ones or, you know, finishing in front of goal. Uh, and I think that, that, that Alisson had basically just outsiked him from the first kind of one-to-one-on-one they had. And then he just stood tall and said to Lacazette, you know, you're going to have to make your move because I'm not blinking. And then that, that for me, you know, the stature of the keep to be able to do that and stand tall up until the last minute. Uh, the last second in, indeed. And, and you know, that stopped us from going probably, I think it would have been 2-2 two, two if Lacazette puts that chance away. So I think that went, you know, that save went a long way to seeing us over the line in, in that game yesterday. Because at 2-2, two, two, Arsenal's tails go up again and who knows, you know, they might get themselves back into the game there fully. So, um, no, definitely for me, in my lifetime, the best goalkeeper that we've had in my lifetime without a doubt. Possibly, possibly, and this might be a bit controversial, possibly the best goalkeeper we've had at the club ever. That's that's my that's my billing at the moment. Yeah, I can't say I remember Elisha Scott, but uh, yeah, no, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I would agree. Best best in my lifetime. You know, I remember going back to Grobola. Um Pepe Reina was is the second best. You know, his early years, he was he was splendid for us. Um, Brucey was good, but um, you know, prone to errors uh, quite quite often. Um, about it, whereas Allison's just a yeah, he's a monster. He's an absolute monster. Um, so just uh, just my last thing, I want you to try. Um, if we assume that Tiago is still out, and you know apparently he might be uh, back for the Everton game. Good luck, Carlo. Um, uh, I I want you to 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 pick me a team to play Aston Villa. Okay, obviously against Arsenal, we're gonna play you know in, in in the league cup we'll we'll play whatever club wants but try and pick me a team against villa away thank you mm, i think for personally i think villa away i think we'll go with the same starting line that we went with them on on um, uh, last night against arsenal uh, as you say we've got the Carabao cup coming up midweek so we'll have a lot of the fringe players you know reintroduced to the starting lineup there you may have a couple of sprinkling of first teamers um, on the bench, uh, obviously just to, just as a bit of uh, insurance. But I can see us going with the same uh, starting lineup. The only position that I feel we could possibly tinker with is maybe uh, Minamino for Firmino uh, in the kind of like number nine stroke, false number nine position. I think Taki's shown some really good form over the last uh, few performances that we've seen him play in the first team. And um, I would like to see that rewarded personally. I think Firmino, for me, was one of the lesser lights last night. Not say that was a, uh, not say he had a bad performance, but obviously everybody else had such 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 high standards in yesterday's game that I thought, you know, by Firmino's standards, he was fairly quiet. He's still making the runs, he's still pulling defenders, he's still hassling defenders who are in possession. But I just feel the quality that we're used to seeing from Firmino wasn't quite there for me. Um, so for me, yeah, I think I would probably look at maybe a Minamino coming in for Firmino and then keeping the rest of the starting lineup as as per last night. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It ain't broke. So why? So why fix it? Maybe. Yeah. Tacky coming in. I thought. I thought Bobby was pretty good last night. I have to say, um, I enjoyed his performance. But there you go. This is a a game of opinions. And, um, you know. But thank you very much, Gene. I I, I shan't keep you on on your birthday anymore. But I just want to thank you very very much. So it's Gene from the LFC Couch. Um, for joining us and and everybody should should check out the LFC couch as I said everybody thank listening. You. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Hopefully we can um, you can uh, return the favour and come and uh, jump on one of our shows soon. <laughs>